Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. With millions of other podcasts out there you could be listening to right now, thank you so much for listening and joining us as we journal through the Bible. This is Episode 4, Season 1 of the Family Bible Journey New Testament Podcast. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. The title of today's podcast is Son of Fulfillment. With this being another one of our shorter readings, we're going to go ahead and read the entire passage for today. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, He shall be called a Nazarene. A reading for today. This is a very sad chapter in the life of God's people because King Herod, having been outwitted by the wise men who did not tell him where this threat to his throne had been born or telling him who he was or where he could be located, decides in rage that he is going to kill every male child under the age of two in and around Bethlehem. So Herod had discerned from his own scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees there gathered in Jerusalem, that The Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem, and so he orders all those infant boys slaughtered. It's a terrible chapter in the story of God's revelation of his love for his people because, unfortunately, there are many unsavory characters in the Bible. There are many evil people in the world that we live in today. And we as Christians often have to wrestle with the reality of innocent people suffering. Sadly, there are many people who are going to suffer in this life simply for being born in the wrong place or the wrong time or or just because there are evil people in the world, and these innocent boys who were slaughtered are living proof of that fact. Now, I do have a couple of those words of wisdom sections here for those of you who are journaling with me through the Bible. One is a note on verse 216, the innocent suffer at the hands of the unrighteous. Just as Jesus suffered for the sins of all people, so too, oftentimes in this life, innocent people suffer at the hands of the unrighteous. I also have another words of wisdom there on that particular verse, and it says, God is never the author of evil. You see, God allows evil to happen because he has given us a truly free will, and so God allows the possibility of evil, but that is never his will, that is never his desire for us, that is never his intention, and we know that because God tells us what his will for our human relationships are clearly in the Ten Commandments. And the fact that there is a commandment in there that says do not murder tells us that it is never God's will that people would die unjustly. It is never God's will that innocent would suffer at the hands of the unrighteous. But because we live in a broken world full of sin and and evil people, this is the case. And it is hard for us as God's people oftentimes to understand these things or to even accept these things, especially when we are the ones who are suffering, especially when it is our children or our loved ones who are suffering for no apparent good reason. And yet the suffering that is in this world, it forces us back to the cross. It focuses us back on God and it focuses us on his promises. 
The reality of life as we know it today is not life as it was originally designed in the Garden of Eden, that God has something so much better for us, that God has more for us, and all of it is offered to us freely in his son, Jesus, who we are told after his sojourning in Egypt is brought by Mary and Joseph to a little town named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is an interesting city. It is a city that did not exist during the time of the Old Testament. Ancient Nazareth, this city that would be Jesus' boyhood home, it was established sometime in the 1st, 2nd, 3rd century BC, and it is believed to have been established by men and women who were fleeing the corruption of Jerusalem, men and women who were fleeing the pollution of their nation by their Greek and Roman rulers and went to find a place where they could settle with their families, that they would be able to raise their families according to the tradition of the elders as they believed it. So some were probably political refugees who had fled the corruption of Jerusalem and, and went to find this backwater community up in the hills above the Jezreel Valley between 50 and 70 miles to the north, whether you want to look at it as the crow flies or as the way that people would have had to travel between these two cities. It was a city that was not even a city. It was just a village, probably only a dozen or so families living there, a population of, of maybe two, three, four hundred people at the most. And this is where Joseph decided to take his young son, Jesus and Mary, and where they decided that they were going to raise their family. They, like many others, were looking for a safe place to raise their young family, and they found that safe place in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth has an interesting name, and if we look at its meaning according to the Hebrew language, the word Nazar can mean branch or shoot. If you think about a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, a branch will shoot forth from the stump of Jesse. The olive tree is a fascinating tree, and, and I really grew in my appreciation for that particular prophecy about Jesus because when I was in the Holy Land for the first time and I saw an olive tree that had been literally cut down, it was just a stump. I saw a whole bunch of these fresh green shoots shooting up out of the ground in the stump. It was so dead and so old, it had, it had been dead for many years, it had dried out and it had actually the wood had actually separated and cracked. It didn't look like there was any possibility that there could be any life left in that tree. And yet these shoots, these stubborn little shoots were coming up out of the root and they were fully alive and they were actually getting to the point where they were, they were leaved out and they would before long be able to bear fruit. It was, it was a really remarkable thing. So Nazar means shoot. And it is a reference, in my opinion, to that prophecy from Isaiah that there would be a living faithful shoot from the stump of Jesse that would grow and bear fruit. And this, of course, being in Jesus. Now, that same word used as a verb can mean to guard or to watch, to keep or to preserve. And so it's very likely also that the Hebrews who settled in this community named their community Nazareth because they were the ones who, in their opinion at least, were guarding the traditions. They were the ones who were watching over the faithful practice of the Old Testament faith as it had been given to Moses and been preserved through the work of the kings, the faithful kings of Israel and Judah and, and the prophets. They were the ones who were keeping that faith. They were going to Jerusalem, to the temple for the annual sacrifices. They were regularly worshiping in their homes. They were keeping that Old Testament liturgical calendar of worship. They were doing all of these things because they wanted to preserve in their families and in their children a faithful remnant that would remember God's promises and stay true to him, even though there were many forces in the world like the evil King Herod's the world, the Romans who did not want them to celebrate their Jewish faith, and the Greeks who before had tried to deprive them of their faith and even sends to death anyone who followed the Jewish faith. This small community 
was going to make sure that if no one else on planet Earth was going to keep the Jewish Hebrew traditions, they were going to do it, and they did their best to do so. Nazareth also has a different connotation because that word for Nazar in Hebrew can also mean to consecrate or anoint. And if you think about the Nazarite vow from the book of Leviticus, that there were children who were dedicated, they were consecrated, they were anointed from before their birth for the Lord's work and for the Lord's purposes. And here again, we see this young community of the Hebrew faithful who recognized that they were the ones who had been set apart. They had been consecrated. They had been anointed to keep the old ways, to keep the faithful ways. And so how cool is it that Joseph takes his young family up to this particular town in potentially, and I'd say quite likely, a religious fervor wanting to make sure that they did everything they could to make sure this boy was brought up in the faith as it had been taught to them by their faithful leaders and elders there in that community. And so Jesus was brought up there in Nazareth. There in Nazareth, Joseph was also able to provide for his family because Sepphoris, which is a city that we never really hear mentioned in the Bible, it was a leading city in the Galilee at that time because Herod Antipas, this is one of evil King Herod the Great's sons who actually survived his father. He was building Sepphoris to be his capital city. And it was being built from the time shortly after Herod's death at about 4 to 3 B.C., up and through the younger years of Jesus's life. And if you ever get a chance to go to Sepphoris and to check out the ancient ruins, it was a prosperous city. It was a city where the Romans and the Hebrew people lived in harmony together. It was very rich and you can still see beautiful mosaic floors. You can see this beautiful Roman theater that was built there. You can see a tremendous Roman aquifer system that held water for tens of thousands of people living in this city. And the city that was being built during the youth of Jesus would have been a great place for Joseph to earn a living where he could earn a wonderful living actually for his family as a tradesman, whether he was a carpenter or a stonemason, building this Roman city where it was tolerant of the Jewish people. And so it was kind of was a place where they had a, the best of both worlds. They had a great faithful community of people dedicated to the old Jewish ways on the one hand. And on the other hand, they had a community where they could raise their family, provide for their family, as Joseph was able to apply his trade as a carpenter or tradesman or a stonemason. And so we see that God is, is using this, this quaint little Jewish village tucked into the hillside up there in the hills above the Galilee and above the Jezreel Valley to care for his son and to prepare his son for the work that his son was sent to do. And all of this, of course, being done for Jesus before he is able to make any decisions for himself. And so we thank God the Father and praise him and his ability to bring all of these things together so that his son can be the true fulfillment of all of the prophecies that he had given his people. And so we leave the young family there at their home in Nazareth, reflecting on the blessings of their faithfulness and the faithfulness of God who had brought them to that wonderful place for them to raise Jesus with our blessing and if you didn't notice, you've got a little bit of a cold today. And so we're doing these podcasts because the podcast must go on, in part because we've got a production schedule, but also in part because it's important for me to be real with you when my voice isn't great and I don't feel super well, because too much of what we have in the world around us and in the technology and, and in the social media and things that we have, it's all been photoshopped. It's all been edited. It's all been filtered. None of it is real. It's all fake. 
Because I want to give you permission, not that you need my permission, to be imperfect and to go and to serve and to do and to love simply for the joy of doing it and knowing that God is going to use you and your gifts to bless others as we journey together and journal together through the Bible. We appreciate your prayers for our podcast. Please pray that God would bless us with his Holy Spirit, with listeners, and the resources to do the work he has put on our hearts to do for you and everyone else who may be listening. In the spirit of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, we endeavor to encourage and equip you for the life God's blessed you with in his Son, Jesus. Our blessing for today. May you have peace in knowing that Jesus the Nazarene was consecrated to be your Savior and that he is the guard and keeper of your life both now and forever. Amen.